0: This
1: episode of Dana Being Dana is brought to you in part by The Now, a massage boutique.
2: Hello, and welcome to Dana Being Dana. I'm Dana Michelle, and I'm thrilled you're with us. My show is about all different aspects of the human connection, things that bring us together and living life intentionally. Compassion is defined as concern and acknowledgement for the sufferings or misfortune of others. Now we were told as kids to never judge a book by its cover but how often do we really do that instead how often do we judge people on the chapter we just happen to walk in on one of the questions i ask of myself and of others is have you considered the experiences of others that may be different from your own i learned that the hard way growing up as always being different as for me i'm originally from the north shore namely the highland park deerfield area and i was often assumed to be a jewish white woman to those who i hadn't met While my parents' choice to raise a family on the North Shore afforded me many great opportunities, my experiences were not always easy. Joining me now are friends of mine who have also had life experiences that might appear easier than you think. Each of us were born into situations where we were the minority in our environments. Can each of you briefly share your circumstances?
3: Um, I'm Michael, Uh, I grew up in Lake Forest, but I was one of the only Jewish people in my school, you know, despite that I also was a white male, like half the people there, being Jewish was pretty unique despite being on the North
4: shore. Yeah. So my name is Eddie Coleman and I, um, was, orig- I was born and raised on the South side of Chicago. And due to the gangs and the violence of uh, being a latchkey kid, uh, my mom made the best decision and opportunity for me to move me uh, to Highland park where my grandparents lived. And um, not knowing it then, Uh, but that was one of the best decisions that my mom made uh, for me. And I'm the resident uh, black guy here.
2: (laughs) Anita. Yeah,
0: my name's Anita. I grew up mostly in the Washington, D.C. area, but I was born in Brazil. My mother is a mixed race uh, Afro-Latin woman. My father is a white appearing Puerto Rican man. And so I grew up, all over the place. I lived in Kansas, Panama, and California before we moved to the DC area when I was nine. I also spent time in New York and with my family in other countries. So I guess I really started feeling like a minority when I was nine and in a school in the US for the first time in the DC area, but uh, overseas and on military bases always felt very comfortable because those were really integrated environments where people came from a number of different class backgrounds. So it was it was quite an adjustment. Yeah. Trevor.
5: I'm Trevor Sheehan. I actually grew up in this town in Naperville. So I've been here most of my life. I went away for college, but I've been here for the most part. I uh, went to school at Neuqua, so a very large school. Yeah. Uh, there was over 5,000 kids. So you kind of just tried to fit in where you could and make friends. and. I played sports um, and we both, uh, my brother and I, uh, we grew up here and we went our separate ways, but we're both uh, feeling that minority because we're gay and not straight. Yeah.
2: Fear of the unknown or differences often leads people to make assumptions. What are some of the assumptions that people have made about you?
3: I mean, come on, everyone. knows <laughs> It's everything you could imagine. You know, the, the most obvious one was, I remember when I was in college, and you know, I I blend in pretty well, so right. people don't know. But I had a landlord. Uh, we were trying to get a lease on an apartment, and the landlord was explaining some clause in the lease. And her explanation was that it's so people don't chew me down on the rent. Like that's just something people say. Right. And I remember I was like, like I had never even heard that, um, but obviously knew what she meant. And uh, you know, the the whole
4: like cheapness trope. It's just you got a lot of that growing up.
2: Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
4: I'm sure. I can agree with that. One of the assumptions um, going, being from, you know, the South side of going, living in Highland Park, but uh, going to Deerfield, uh, the assumption is that, you know, I'm playing basketball, uh, you know, I'm good at that. And, you know, I'm fast. Um, now, although those did give me opportunities uh, to take advantage of because of the fact I was probably average in speed uh, growing up on the South side and moving to the North side that uh, it did put me above the crust of the other people. So that's an opportunity. Uh, But those assumptions were definitely there.
5: Some of the assumptions being in college, uh, just moving into an all same-sex dorm, playing, uh, running cross-country, and joining a fraternity. They just, you know, all expect you to like and do the same things. Right. And they don't see that other people have other views.
0: Yeah. Um, Well, I think people just really don't see um that i have an identity that's more complicated than uh just being a white lady you know i've thought about changing my last name sometimes to reflect my heritage a little more but uh, my parents were always really against that they said um you know the president there have been presidents of latin american countries with the last name washington you know they said that that's just you know part of who i am and you got to be uh who you are you know not, not change your appearance to signal um your background you know just
2: be you do you find people looking to try to categorize you or, or put you in a box right i think sometimes with the fear um of differences or fear of the unknown you know it's always trying to kind of figure you out you know i for me um growing up on the north shore you know it's well i don't really know you you speak well you do this you do that you're different than typical people of color that that they've experienced and a lot of times they haven't really experienced anybody who's different, and so what they are gleaning from is is media, um, or assumptions, um, or or you know conjecture about what they assume about other people. So, um, what some of the what are some of the stereotypes that you've encountered?
3: I, again, I'm more than happy to start this off.
2: Yeah, <laughs> come on,
3: Michael. I'm very shy ordinarily. I swear. <laughs> um, you know the. It was funny because when I was growing up, again, you know there were not a lot of Jewish I mean, there are not a lot of Jewish people in the Lake Forest area, right? right? It's very waspy. Um, I didn't buy salmon pants, but you know that's not the only reason I didn't fit in and I remember I'd, I'd have sleepovers when I was a little kid, uh, you know at friends' houses, and there there's always those kids whose parents would drag you to church with them on Sunday. And I remember it was so bizarre because someone would be like, are you allowed to come with us? Is this okay? Like, I'm not going to catch fire. You know, it's like, just, all right, I can, right, this is fine. <laughs> and, and it was funny. There's almost like this, um, it, like an overdoing of it, you know, and to be like, no, no, we're okay with it. You know, like there's something to be okay with. And it, it was just so bizarre, some of the interactions I had. Um, you know, is there stuff here you can eat and, you know, all of that. And so it, it was, I, I guess what you're you know, to what you're you're asking is sort of like, yeah, everyone assumes that, you know, Jewish people are a certain way and like they don't like, you know, Protestants or Christians or whatever, and they eat weird and all this bizarre stuff that is yeah. completely foreign to me, frankly. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I didn't even start learning about most of that until I was much older.
2: It's true. It's true. I think we've come a long way um, oh, yeah. in terms of acceptance of, of differences and people being different. Um, yeah. Eddie, tell us about your prom. King experience at Deerfield High School?
4: So the Prom King at Deerfield High School has traditionally been uh, that number one jock, sports athletic person um, with the number one uh, female as far as most likely cheerleading. And and so when I came up, you know, this is now the 80s and the population of the school was kind of tired of that. So they wanted to change that perspective. And so uh, I did play on the football team. But uh, this was the first year that they decided that the candidates that were running for prom king and queen didn't have to be a couple. Like it was an individual male and an individual female. And so I got peer pressured into running for prom king. Uh, not thinking anything of it. I've never been political, so I didn't, <laughs> I didn't, I didn't campaign. The
3: political office? Political yeah, office. Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't know. I didn't, yeah, I didn't. Your bills run a little differently, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> but I didn't,
4: I didn't, com- I didn't, yeah, I didn't campaign, you know, campaign about it or anything. So as, as it went along, I, you know, I did hear that I was getting some votes and everything. But when the event came up for the actual prom event, uh, I'm at the party. I'm at the prom and I'm ready for the after party. So I'm basically at the back of the cafeteria, like at the door, ready to leave. And they have to announce this. And so they actually announce the prom queen is my high school sweetheart. And I'm just like, wow, okay, that's interesting. But you know, it still could be a different male uh, that wins. And she was
2: a black female. And she's a
4: black, she's a black female. and so I was like, wow. So they crowned her with the prom queen and everything. And I'm still sitting there like, wow, this is going to take a little bit longer, but let's get this over with. And they say for the prom king, they announced me as the prom king. Uh, I, I was Taken back, taken by surprise and everything. And I was like, wow. So I had to walk all the way from the back of the cafeteria up on the stage. Didn't get anything, you know, flowers or a crown or nothing. But the interesting fact from all of that is, the next day in the paper it's wow. always printed on the front page of the newspaper that picture of Deerfield high school's prom king and queen of the event and there was no picture of us there was just that title you know that that paragraph in the in the paper
2: so they reported the story but they didn't post they didn't
4: post the picture they just put our names, put
2: names interesting wow.
4: and so uh my high school sweetheart's parents were really upset they called call the newspaper station and everything. And, and it was a big protest about that because we were like, wow, it's kind of flooring. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. That that idea.
0: Did they have an excuse?
4: <laughs> and they... Cameras th- were broken? Yeah, they came they came <laughs> up with some excuse. They didn't capture the event and, or anything. But it, it was a reclamation like that Friday of that week that our picture was put in the paper. But it's buried probably in the middle of the newspaper. So the
5: protest worked?
4: It did work because they had to go back and, re, and restate and take the photo wow. and put it in the paper. But at that point it was a lost, lost event. And yeah. I'm thinking this is 1988 mm. and it was still obvious.
2: But it also shows you so, how some of those fears, some of that unknown, unknown. you know, um, can really just kind of tarnish or torpedo otherwise awesome events, opportunities, um, yes. inclusive moments. Yes. Well, we're gonna continue the discussion and talking about differences. We're going to take a quick break. Don't go away. We'll be right back.
1: We all have a story to share. Stories others can relate to, whether moments of sorrow or of hope and inspiration, whether a story of struggle or a moment of victory. Every little moment captured and shared helps us to feel more informed, helps us to feel more engaged with and connected to the community we all call home. Every little moment captured and shared adds up to something greater. For us, that something is the collective story of Naperville, a city rich in its volunteer spirit, its diversity, its traditions and celebrations, and so much more. In Naperville, there are so many stories worth sharing. And for the past 35 years, it's been our honor to tell those stories and share them with you.
0: This episode of Dana being Dana is brought to you in part by the now a
1: massage boutique.
2: Welcome back to Dana being Dana, where we are talking about differences. We talked about high school going into the break and, uh, college can be a game changer and an opportunity to start over or really be who you are. What was that like within the context of our discussion?
4: Uh, So uh, the transition from high school uh, to college, again, I I was set up for success um, in that transition due to the fact uh, being uh, from again, from the South side of Chicago and going to Deerfield High School, I think the opportunities that it afforded me with culture, with the culture and based everything on uh, what i went through the, that transition. And I transitioned to Arizona State with the population is a lot more, but in the culture aspect of it, it was still the same. And so I was able to, uh, again, transition easily more than some of my friends that grew up, you know, in Detroit, Michigan, um, also being from Chicago and where they're in college and And it's difficult as it is just being there, but in blending in. And I think that gave me a leg up from my experiences that what I went through and what I came through uh, being there. And I actually excelled in that environment uh, versus them. And unfortunately, some of them, you know, not finishing and, and having to go home just because they couldn't associate or blend in in that environment.
2: And were you voted prom king of Arizona?
4: <laughs> no, Arizona not in not of Arizona State. No, no, huge title. I would have, <laughs> no, have, would would yeah. have gotten a crown for that. Yeah. yeah, would have gotten a crown. I, I would have gotten but, a crown. Yeah.
3: But I have to imagine it's a similar story, like you know, for you because like in me, when you go to college, it's such a bigger pond, right? Yep. And you know, I for the first time, there's a bunch of like Long Island Jews that showed up, and I was like, oh my God, you know, there's like a lot of uh, a lot other people Jewish that people. are exactly like this. And I think it's just because there were so many more people around that it just stopped being as big of a deal. Yeah.
2: College can really be a breath of fresh air. Um, I Coming from the North Shore, I went to a historically black college, Spelman College, uh, where I was one of, instead of being the only black female, I was one of 250 um, black black women, or 500 women. And it was an incredible experience. It, it can be very affirming and, and empowering to just find that there are other people. Two things, one, more people who look like you Um, or more people who are just more accepting of you. Um, Being in in a homogenous environment or suburbia in many ways um, has so many benefits, um, but it can also be um, very limiting in terms of mindset and even sometimes even opportunities. Um, So so college can be a great thing. What about you two?
5: College was amazing. I went to Western Illinois University and I would do it all over again. I mean, then it was thriving. There were so many uh, and the enrollment was so high, you know, now it's not as much, but I mean, I got to meet so many good people there. I got to find people that were more like me. Mm -hmm. Um, I got to do more things, feel more alive, kind of box out a little bit. So it just felt like a whole new beginning for myself.
0: So my college was very different from my high school. I went to a pretty small high school. There were about, um, well, it's small now, probably not when you went, but, um, I went to high school with about 400 people per class and so I really knew everybody and then I went to a commuter school in Portland, Oregon. It was a big urban campus at Portland State University and it was very different and it was kind of um you didn't really get to know people because it was a lot of uh you know part-time students so they're just you know that wasn't really um my experience you know my experience wasn't of having you know my social life or professional life revolve around college so um I worked part-time for most of my degree program had a lot of different experiences um and i guess that was where i started to see myself as a person of color like in high school i had always been told you know that i was a white person you know i think um you asked earlier about assumptions people make and i think a lot of people do assume that people from latin america look a certain way um i guess especially in places where there's been a lot of immigration from a certain country You know, people expect there to be a certain look. So I think um, on the East Coast, people didn't really think that I was Latin. And um, I certainly never talked about uh, you know, my my racial background because um, I actually went to a selective high school where you had to take an admissions test and they had had to make some changes following some affirmative action lawsuits um, before I was admitted. So by the time I got there, they had tried to tweak the process a few different ways And there just weren't that many diverse um, Latin or Black students in my class. So when people found out that I was Latin, they would think that I had somehow tried to game the system and getting in there or played the race card. So it was something, you know, that I didn't really embrace in high school. And um, growing up in the D.C. area, which is very cosmopolitan, a lot like Chicago, you know, um, where people where there's like a range of how people look. You know, you don't experience day-to-day racism in the same way. But when I moved to Oregon, which has, like, a long history of, um, I guess, you know, what I would call structural racism, you know, actually pushing, uh, bulldozing Black neighborhoods through and renewal, you know, when I got into that environment, like, there was a lot less diversity in the, like, people that you saw there. So I do think that people knew that I was a person of color. And I think, you know, part of that, um, I wish that Michael's wife were here today because-
3: It's my fault. I probably got her sick.
0: Yeah, because she, Michael, is married to a Native American woman, and that was my first time being in college meeting Native people. And, um, you know, the people that I met, these are people who on the East Coast or in a big city you might think were white. But when you get into a homogenous place, it becomes clear when someone's different. And when I was younger, my hair was, uh, it was curlier. I hadn't dyed it blonde. So I didn't fit in, like, visually to the the look of these Mm. You know, people who lived in and were from the Pacific Northwest. So I do think that I experienced like socially, you know, people could tell that I wasn't from there, that I didn't fit in or that I was different. So that was kind of where I started to identify more as a person of color. And I think that I started to have some consciousness around that as an identity. Whereas before I was like discouraged or like, you know, from identifying with that because I didn't feel that I had personally experienced any racism or, you know, I felt that I would have negative social consequences for being seen as like race faking or, you know, playing up, you know, my Latin background where it didn't really exist even though it did. You know, I grew up speaking Portuguese uh, with my parents and um, my family So, you
2: know, I learned Spanish and
0: English at the same time in school, but use Spanish a lot more in my day-to-day life, so.
2: I wanna talk about um, the adult experience, because we've talked about high school, we've talked about college. As an adult, what experiences have had the most influence on you today? I think a lot of the experiences that we've had, you know, being different, um, living in that, particularly in our formative years of of being teens and in college, have really had an influence as, as to not only who we are today, but also how we relate to others um, and our compassion, you know, for one another. How have your experiences influenced who you are?
3: I'm actually going to answer for my wife okay. in abstentia. Yes, it's so hilarious to me. She gets all the time. What are you? Yep. And I'm just like, who asks that? You know, mm-hmm. everyone's like Egyptian, Greek. Like no one can figure it out. But like, I can't imagine ha- being asked that question as like a grown person. Um, and my daughter looks the poor kid like me Mm -hmm. and in school, she gets the same stuff you're dealing with. So Mm -hmm. I can only imagine when she gets grown up, she can have similar experiences. Yeah. I mean, and for me, you know, it was always sort of the, the counterculture thing that, you know, I always was trying to be different, you know, sort of to highlight things. And and that's how I am now in my professional life. You know that. And Uh I'm like the anti-Jew when it comes, I have the tattoos all over the place and I, you know, love bacon. And. But I still hold it very strongly (laughs) as part of my identity and heritage, right? And um, it's not mutually exclusive. But I think a lot of that came from being so proud of it growing up because I was surrounded by people who, you know, weren't accustomed to it. And that feeling of of being different, I think, is is really something that came out of it.
0: I I am surprised to hear you say that about people not asking you, what are you? Because I have a friend who's... um who she looks really, really, really Eastern European and she gets it all the time. Maybe people don't do it to you because you're a guy. But, it's
3: entirely possible. But Everyone a, assumes white man. Well,
2: it's, I think it's <laughs> because he's an X-Man. <laughs> but she has
0: she has like a, a more obviously like Eastern European name too. Like I think Kazdin yeah. is a little more like- People
3: wonder what that is. I get a lot vague, of questions about, yeah. what kind of name is that? And I know they're thinking Jew or not a Jew, um, but no, I do get what my name is, but no one ever asks my ethnicity because they're always just like, they are either Anglo-Saxon or Eastern European. Like those are really the only options. Um, but yeah my my poor kids like one of my my sons looks like my wife and then my daughter looks like me and then the one in the middle or the youngest rather just looks like a mix so he's gonna have fun time too
5: so now that I'm wearing a ring I always
3: get asked you know
5: oh where's your wife or your fiance and you know I tell them like I have a fiance and I'm getting married to him Mm -hmm. in December in Costa Rica, which we're very excited about. But um, (laughs) I get that all the time. And then people are shocked when they hear that it's a male and not a female. And they don't know how to really react with it because they feel uncomfortable. And I'm like, it's okay, you know, like this is who I am. This is what I want to be and be with. And I'm very happy. And that's what
2: matters. Yeah. Do you think that because I, I think there's a lot of people out there who spend a lifetime trying to assimilate, fit in, right? Um, you know, and I think that started in, as kids, do you feel, because in some ways, you know, you may obviously be different, right? You're holding hands with your fiance, your your skin color, you know, sometimes we look different and not always, but do you think that it has created, um, a certain level of confidence, um, and comfort, you know, where you might've felt, you know, either anxious or alone growing up, but, uh people tell me all the time you seem so confident in all these things but i've always been alone right i've always been different and so being used to that as an adult um do you think that has been shaped by by your experiences
5: oh 100 percent when cody and i first started dating we did i didn't even want to hold his hand (laughs) i thought everybody was looking at me and judging me and everything like that and Mm -hmm. then i just grew to accept it and love it and now it doesn't bother me at all
2: yeah which is so liberating. I think it's, I think it's great, you know, and, and part of this episode, you know, what I want to get across to people is to be confident in who you are and mm-hmm. and love yourself and be okay with that. Because I think there's so many societal pressures to to try to be different or to resent or hide or act differently than, than who you really are.
0: Can I ask you a question, Dana?
2: Did you feel different or out of place at Spellman? No. Um, It's funny because it's kind of the opposite. I think everybody comes to, to to Spelman in particular, I call it the superstar syndrome where everybody was prom queen and valedictorian and highly successful. It felt nice to be in a place where I was not the only, but um, the assumption is that everybody's the same, but you have people who are from um, international students. Um, So being black doesn't just mean black American you know, black can be um, from everywhere, from all over the world, you know, um, South America, everywhere. Um, And so it's, it was a a tremendous experience, but I I found myself becoming much more confident in who I was um, and not feeling different, um, which I thought, which I thought was great. That's my biggest regret. I wanted to go to Spelman and my
0: mother said that I wouldn't fit in because I wasn't. Um, you know, I didn't have to look.
2: Yeah. We, had, we have students of all shades. I know. I wish, I had, are, I, wish I had known. I wish I had known. It's such a wonderful experience yeah. that you had. Yeah. To that note, um, can I ask you a question? What advice would you give to the younger version of you that is watching this episode and feels very much alone?
3: My advice to my younger self is um, stay the course because you turn out awesome. And that's only kind of a joke. But what I do mean by that is it's lonely, right? And I yeah. often wondered, like, is it is it worth it, you know, being this much of a jerk about it. Because the fact of the matter was like, I got defensive, you know, and, Mm -hmm. um, you know, you feel very alone and, you know, you're getting scraps and whatnot as a kid. And um, but it it kind of helped me be who I am. Right. And you own it and be proud of it. And things work out.
4: Who influenced me the most and how I was influenced was uh, from my grandfather, not realizing and didn't, didn't. I would tell the younger me to tell that story to allow people to know who I am. But a lot of people didn't know this is nineteen seventy, and my grandfather was a butler, you know, working for a wealthy family that lived in Winneka, happens to be the uh, family who owned Sarah Lee. And uh, that's how we ended up. my grandparents ended up living in Highland Park. Mm. And uh, my grandmother was the maid and the and the cook, you know, for them. and so to to tell that story because my grandfather was a hard worker, he was resilient. And that's where I get my uh, challenge, you know, in order to overcome the challenges and be resilient, uh, that's where I get that from. And um, because I wouldn't be the person that I am today if I wouldn't have had that opportunity to do that transition and move out there to understand different cultures. And in order to go to college and look back over my life. Now, football didn't work out. I played in high school, went out to play at Arizona State, was able to walk on, but when that didn't work out, the money wasn't there, so I went and joined the Army, and that started my Army career. So again, it ebbed and flows in those challenges, but it all stemmed from that structure and that stability I had with my grandfather and getting provided that opportunity to where I am today. So to, I would tell that story, which I didn't haven't, but in order to get that out. Yeah. Yeah.
5: If I was to talk to my younger self, I would say, you know, just be truthful to who you are. Don't be shy to be and show your true colors because honestly, it's a weight lifted off your shoulders and you don't have to worry or be concerned anymore. You just live your life and be happy and that's what really matters. I love it, I love it.
0: Yeah, I do wish I had had more pride when I was younger. I do feel like a lot of the things that i've done you know i kind of wish i had claimed them you know like as someone who was newer to the us who has immigrant parents um you know i feel like um i I wish i felt more comfortable being being proud of who i am like spending more time in ethnic spaces where i might have had more support like i wish i had joined affinity groups in high school i wish i would have uh pushed harder against my parents when they thought i shouldn't go to an hbcu Um, I just, you know, I wish I had like sought out that community in those kinds of spaces earlier.
2: Yeah. The experiences in our lives, both good and bad, have helped to shape the adults we are today. When it comes to others, it is important to know that everything is not always what it seems, or more importantly, what you assume it to be. May we all be thankful for the ways in which our lives have been enriched, and may we all be affirmed in our ability to overcome those obstacles that have made us stronger. Thank you to my guests for joining me today and for sharing your stories. Special thanks to the Now Massage Naperville for the work you do in our community to promote self-care and self-love. Hopefully you've been entertained, if not encouraged or inspired. I do not promise to be an expert, nor do I have all the answers. I'm just Dana being Dana. See you next time.